I am looking for my notes. Bear with me just for a minute here. Oh boy. So it is good to be back. (laughs) Uh, Turn to Jeremiah 17. That's where we're going to be looking at. It's going to be an abbreviated one this morning there, but I do preach without notes this morning. It is, uh, I like to say amen to everything that was said, but some of it opposed each other, so I'm not exactly sure how to, to wrap that up. But there was a group of men in Pennsylvania from conservative churches sat down, and they were going to, and some of you might know about this, they were going to figure this question out, pre and all. And I, th- I forget, I think there was like eight or ten of them, or twelve of them. And they spent a year compiling and working and arguing and looking at it. And uh, when they finally got done, there was less and less that were part of it because they got mad and walked out. It was a little bit more dramatic than this. And when it got to the end, there was only two. And when it got to the very end, they didn't agree quite. I have a real sure standing of where I stand. And that is, I don't know. I don't know a lot of these things. I really don't know. We're given some clues and some of them kind of contradict each other. But we can't let that uh, trip us up. The bottom line is, like was shared, is still, hey, we have to be ready however, however it comes. And when I look at how the first coming of Christ was and the prophecy for that, I wouldn't have figured it out. I wouldn't have been able to decipher from, I think it's unavailable to, to us, at least in a clear way. And I don't want to discourage any of you who want to keep searching it out. Um, a new thought to me this morning that Mark came up with was that the mark of the beast and the hand was... Uh, how we look at things, how we think, and what we do with our hands. It changes uh, the thought of that there will be a mark of the beast and that there will be, you know, uh, a chip in our hand and that kind of thing. I, I don't know. I don't know how it will happen, but I know it will happen, and I know there's some sure prophecy there. So we were in Florida. We went down to Atlanta for a buying show, and then we went to Florida, and uh, we met Mike down there just to howdy. Mike was busy with some meetings, and it just happened this time it was just a howdy. Uh, uh, I don't want you to think that Mike has a cushy job, (laughs) because there's work involved and there's meetings involved. And we saw Dan and Ruthie down there, and that was good. Saw Glenn Kilmers and Dave Martin. Uh, 
heard a message at Sarasota Mennonite on Jeremiah 17, which started me thinking. Uh, anybody that was there, it doesn't matter because you won't recognize it anyway. But it was a, it was a good message. And John Stolzfus was there with CAM and gave a report on what all, what all's happening. And that was really uh, a challenge. There was also an old guy there. Help me out here, Ruthie. That old guy that we listened to with Glenn's that gave a, Marin Augsburger. Does anybody remember Marin Augsburger there? 89 years old, stood up and gave a real strong, challenging message. One of the things he shared in there was his great-grandpa bought slaves back and freedom. Uh, and one, back in that time... He freed, he bought, paid 1500 bucks for her and then uh, said, you're free to go. So, and there was also another old timer down there. Who was that? Abner Kaufman. Do you guys remember him there? Abner Kaufman was an uh, evangelist in his time there. Then we stopped in at where the hurricane was and we met with that lady or talked to that lady that had lost her husband and uh, were encouraged by where she's at and she's uh, there in their 70s and she's working uh, to make it there and she's working at a grocery store and then we met that old lady that had gathered all those crippled old people in her trailer and she didn't have electric, they didn't have water, they didn't have bathrooms, and every one of them that was in there had a medical problem and should have been on a breathing machine. And I wondered if we'd find her alive. And she was there, and she was smiling, and she was happy, and she was grateful for uh, Cam and grateful for the things that were done. It was so good to talk to them. We stopped in at the base in uh, the CAM base where I think Marlins will be going to. It's down in Youngstown, and we're surprised at how many trees and things are laying down there. So Jeremiah 17, and we're going to break in in verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. And maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhibit the parched places in the wilderness, and in the salt land, and not inhibit it. Blessed is the man, and here's the verse that I'm after here, grab a hold of this one. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, or whose confidence. He shall be as a tree planted by waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, 
and according to the fruit of his doing. Picture of two different trees here. A heath in the desert is over there in an area, and he, he talks about there's salt in the ground there and so forth. So I believe it's over there in the Mideast that he's picturing this. And there was a little scrawny shrub there. Uh, that heath is a little, uh, and it, it can hardly... It doesn't bloom. It has everything it can do to just, it just barely stays alive. And it makes the desolate place look more, it just adds to the desolation. And then he pictures a real green tree whose roots go down and has strength. And the storm comes and it doesn't shake it. And as we came through Youngstown down there and Bristol and Bluntstown. Oh, by the way, we met with uh, Mike and Miriam, and they said hi to you all. And uh, we had grits with them, and they have, uh, thank the Lord, they have a nice little apartment down there that looks really nice. And uh, take a picture of those them standing on the on the walkway at the front, and there's a cotton field in the back, and it was still hanging heavy with cotton. But as we looked at those trees in Youngstown, it seems as bad as any area, but all, the, all across that area that we were in down there, you get to places where there was a lot of spindly, anemic-looking little trees that were just snapped off. And they were just popped off the wind. You, you come to a, a setting, and there'll be a whole setting there, and the tops will be just wrecked. And then you come to some other trees that as the wind pushed on them, they just laid over and the roots were sticking way up. And you come to a place where there's that type of tree and, and it just, the wind just tilled them, didn't break them off. They didn't, uh, they didn't have a root system that, that went down. Like, it just seemed like their roots went out along the ground and they looked nice. They looked like a nice tree, but it just tipped them over. Uh, Ruthie and I have a relative in, on her side there that uh, their, their dad became involved in alcohol and drugs and was in and out of jail frequently and the mom had maybe uh, a bit of a mendo issue and alcohol problem and their situation was dire they had two boys and uh, they couldn't keep they couldn't they couldn't raise them they couldn't hang on to them they couldn't keep them and often they were Clothing and food was a problem, and uh, embarrassment on these little boys' part. Uh, they didn't have a dad. He was in jail. And then an aunt stepped in and reached out to him. And once in a while, they'd come over to her place. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was just so grateful for you, those of you who are reaching out in that way and getting children who out of situations like that and reaching out. 
They got him in a Christian day school, Christian school. And you know, you folks who came through this Christian school movement are starting at a different place than some of us did. And I am amazed and just so thrilled at what I see. God says, I'll, I will equip you for what you need. And I think this, the Christian school is stepping up to the plate. And I hear so much good about our team this year in our school. But they got these two little boys in the Christian school. In and out, kind of. It was bumpy. Uh, alcohol and prison and everything played into this thing. There's a lot of horror stories about the mom just losing it, grabbing the little one by the hair and swinging them and throwing them, and just the struggle that they went through. They got them in a school, and these boys gave their hearts to the Lord. And they sank their roots in pretty deep. Last week, one of them's a good friend of mine, and last week he said, I just finished The Martyr's Mirror. He, he's a deep thinker and a writer and an author. He has quite a few employees, and he has a business that bloomed, that grew to a national and an international. But his home bringing was with a dad that spent most of his time in jail and a mom that freaked out and lost it all the time. I'm saying, so what is it? What is the difference where he, how can that happen in one generation? It's so easy for us to have flaws and struggle and make mistakes. And children turn out bad. Now, how can that happen? Well, you had an aunt whose roots were down deep. And storms didn't topple her over or break her off. And you had these two little boys that made a decision to trust in God. And their roots went way down in spite of their circumstances. Their circumstances had nothing to do with it. Their roots went down and there were strong trees. And when the storms came, and there was a lot of them, they hung in there. They stayed strong. They made good decisions. And they were blessed for it. Blessed is the man that trusteth in God. And my thoughts this morning as the pastor down there in Sarasota Mennonite started me thinking. My thoughts this morning is how much of a difference it makes if you trust in God. And it works the other way too. You have, in your short life, seen some people lose their grip and lose their trust in God and walk away from God. And, and you watch the bad decisions that they make. Uh, a friend of mine, I grabbed by the shoulder and I said, Hey, you have to go to church somewhere. You have to plug in. You have to... Have, we all need that. Uh, we all need that. You have to go to church somewhere. And he said... Yeah, I know. I know I should. I doubt if he will. But chances are, he'll make a lot of wrong decisions and his picture will all look different in the, in the future. 
You can't get away from this here. So what do we put our trust in? One of the first things that I, I think we put our trust in is other men. Man, the latest greatest preacher or the latest greatest teacher or the, the president or, or whatever. We, we put our trust in man or in, a, in man, what man can do. And I think uh, there's so many verses and I had some written down and I, I'm going to have trouble recalling some of these from memory. But uh, uh, that there one about putting your trust in, in uh, military might or horses or, or princes or that type of thing. We can't trust in man. We just can't. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not saying that we don't appreciate each other. And agape love means that we think the best of each other and we give each other the benefit of the doubt and we trust each other. But at the end of the day, we're going to leave each other down. We're going to disappoint each other. And if you if you think, okay, um, somebody's got it together, you put the name in there and you say they really got it together. You can appreciate that and support that and encourage that. But at the end of the day, when they disappoint you, you're still going to to know that the solid foundation, the 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 way we can trust somebody or or we can trust somebody as long as they follow God and they'll trip up once in a while. They will. They'll disappoint us. The second thing I had down there, I think, was we can't trust uh, ourselves. We have this tendency to feel pretty good about our own accomplishments and our own... um, our own things that we've done and, and how we look at things and how we interpret things. And, and Jesus said to, to his disciple, uh, his disciples said at one point, Hey, we have Abraham as our father. And you're trying to tell us how to get free. And we as a group this morning can think and we can say, We have Menno as our forefather. Anabaptist is kind of the flavor of the day. We have Anabaptists as our forefather. Uh, we, we are Anabaptists here, and you're trying to tell us how to be free? We have, we're so prone to put our trust in a system, or a person, our, our, our accomplishments, or who we are, or what we've done, or our reputation, are um, how we believe. But there's only one place that it's safe to put our trust in. Last, last uh, week, uh, amen to Todd's message last week. Amen to, to all he shared there. And the thought of Satan wants our mind. And, and if he can change how you think, he can control you. Uh, and... The thought about our minds, are, uh, our, our thinking is fallible. We have to be so careful that we don't trust our own evaluations and our own thinking. Christ is the only one we can trust. But uh, we, we sometimes think, well, we got it all together and we know better and here's how it ought to be. But when it comes down to it, uh, 
we have to be skeptical of our own. Uh, the, the, the verse here is, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the Lord is the only one that can know it. And he says, I'll search the heart. I'll check this out. And we try to do that for each other. But the only one we can trust is going back to, we need to put our faith and our trust in God. Not Mennonite, not Anabaptist, not uh, Lutheran, not any of the others that are out there, not Amish. We don't need to judge them. Uh, we don't need to say they're wrong. Uh, we don't need to play God. We can appreciate interpreting the scripture as we know it. But the bottom line is the only way, the only thing, the only foundation is Christ. I'm missing a third one here in my mind. Uh, uh, got it. Doesn't look anything like my sermon so far. <clears throat> things. The other thing was things. Another thing was things that we can put our trust in. You know, a bank account is really good. Uh, and in northern Wisconsin in the winter, it's really good. But it can be a blessing from the Lord, or it can be an obsession. It can be something that we... We look at and we, we put our trust in, our security. It's so easy to do that. And when your back's to the wall and you're struggling with something, it's hard to say, God's got this. It's so easy for us to say, what are we going to do? And we can put our security in, in our things and that it can take the place of God. Our, our bank account, our houses, our jobs, our own comfort, fashions. We can, we can put our security in things like that, obsessions, something that takes the place of God. I was, I'm marveled. I was, uh, I was thinking of Todd's message, and we were in a McDonald's, and I was in the restroom, and there was this young gentleman there, and he was texting, standing in front of the washbowl that I wanted to get at, and and he was texting there, and he had his pants way down, like Todd had described somebody walking out in front of him. And I thought, come on, pull your pants up, and and let's let's go. So I waited there for a while, and then I uh, walked up to get a cup of coffee. And then this guy came out still texting, and he went in the back room. He worked there, and he was still texting. And his pants were still the, those just way down. And I, I, I was ranting to Ruthie, and I said to Ruthie, You know, uh, Satan gets a hold of your mind, and you can't think right. What last brain cell would... Why, why wouldn't you pull... Pull your pants up. Just, just why wouldn't you? You know, and, and then I was thinking of other things that we do to impress each other. I could bring it closer home. 
I won't. But I could bring it closer home. Things that we do to impress each other that hurt. So we get our security in, in things. In, in things that we, we do and things that we have. Today's uh, football game, for those of you who don't know it, Super Bowl is today. And, uh, you know, it can be uh, okay to watch a football game or a baseball game or something like that. But it can become an obsession to that's what you worship instead of that's what you're watching. And, and hockey and, and hunting and our jobs and all those things can get out of whack and become the thing that we trust in whose hope is the Lord is. In other words, our, our confidence. And here's one that I'm talking to myself on there. Uh, trusting God and putting your faith in God and getting that blessing that it's talking about here also means not being anxious. Trusting God means trusting in spite of circumstances. Not freaking out. Satan wants our minds. He wants to, he wants to get our minds. And we do struggle. Uh, we, we have in, in a room this size, everybody's living their own life and you've got some things you're struggling with. And last week was cold. And you know, there was, as I came up through there, there was a lot of trucks sitting at the side of the road with the fuel fillers truck after truck and I cringed every time I saw it and kept telling me there's another one there's another one because to have a wrecker come out and tow you and or to have your fuel filler that you're working with and cold fuel coming down over your hands and you're missing a, a delivery and you can't get that thing going and at the end of a miserable day you're further back than when you started in the morning You'd have been better off staying home in bed. And you can't afford it. You got payments on the truck. And you and you gotta make this thing happen. And you know, to trust God when our backs to the wall. When we're facing financial difficulties, our health difficulties, our issues with children, our marital difficulties. Part of it. Some of you may be sitting here this morning putting on a good face. You're not sure whether you like each other or not. That's normal. That's, that, those are things that you work through and so forth. But in the storms, in the struggles you have, can you trust God? Does that shake your trust in God? Can you, can you know where your stability comes from? Where your security comes from. You know, in America, statistic-wise, in the last 10 years, the way we take medication for uh, all the different kinds of anxieties have went up. And let me preface that with this. If you need medication for a thing you have, whether it's uh, a mental struggle you're having or whether it's a heart uh, pressure uh, you take it and you thank God for it I'm not, I'm not saying that and there's some people need medication for, a, uh, for something they're working through but 
America as a whole. Uh, now, America is one of the best countries out there. If you, if you want to work with CAM for a while and go to other countries to verify that. But we have it good. And things have gotten better. We have indoor plumbing. We have all kinds of things available to us. Th- this is a good place. But America, more so than the whole world, our stress level has been going through the roof in the last 10 years. And pills have the, the use of pills for mental struggles and discouragement have just just went through the roof, <laughs> skyrocketed. Headaches, sleeping disorders, substance abuse, stress, feeling of helpless, loss of hope. Um, one of our shops this week uh, was supposed to get something done and he didn't and I was calling him because of that and he said his brother's shop burned down. And it burned down last Friday. And on Monday, his brother said, I don't, I don't think I'm going to rebuild. I, I'm going to just let it. And he, this, this guy that was telling me that said, his neighbor said to him, well, that's fine. You, that's just fine. We'll rebuild for you. And I think it was the man I was talking to who told him that. Well, by Friday, they had him in the shop there, and they had him supplies in there. And they were going to, he dropped everything, and everybody dropped everything, and they went. But you get that loss of hope, and then, and then things work out. And he said by the end of the week, his brother was feeling like a person again. And he was feeling like there was, there was hope. And you know, I could stand up here, and I, because I know myself, and I could tell you a hundred times not to be anxious. And I could tell you how not to be anxious. And I could tell you these steps will help you not be anxious. But until you decide to trust God, there's nothing going to change. You're going to be anxious. And I was putting it into perspective in my mind And I was looking back where Jesus fed the 4,000. And it says there that he said, hey, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And it says that he asked them that just to see how they would respond because he knew what he was going to do already. And so they, of course, responded like we do when our fuel filter gels and we're along the highway and we can just so make it off of the highway. We throw our hands up, we lose hope, and we say, what are we going to do? How are we going to work through this? And when our back's to the wall in a financial thing or a health thing, we say, "Uh, I can't see any hope. You know, I can't see any hope. So Jesus asked them, uh, it says Jesus pitied the people and he wanted to feed them before before he sent them on their way. And so he asked them, what do you think? And they said, hey... We don't know, and they gave a couple of negative responses. And fear and skepticism is actually shameful, and we struggle with it. I do, and maybe I'm talking just more to myself, but we struggle to it when we're when when our backs to the wall. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, first of all, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And 
in John, the reason he was testing them, there was a list of miracles that they saw. And you guys know what the list is there and you've heard this before. But I want to go down over them to get in our mind how weak we are sometimes. Uh, Jesus did these miracles before they got to that point. This is chronological order. He changed water into wine. He healed the royal official's son. He healed the Capernaum demonic. Healed Peter's mother-in-law. Healed the sick during the evening. Caught a large number of fish miraculously. Healed the leper. Miracle of healing the centurion's servant. Healed a paralyzed man. Healed a withered hand. Raised the widow's son. Calmed the storm. Healed a man with demons. Healed a woman with inter- internal issues. Raised Jairus' daughter. Healed two blind men. Healing a mute demon-possessed man again. Healing a 38-year invalid. Fed 5,000. Walked on water. Healing uh, many people in, uh, in Acts there. And, and healed a girl's possessed with a demon. And healed the deaf man with a speech. Then we get to number 24 in that chronological order. And Jesus says... Hey, I want to feed this group before we leave. What do you think we should do? And they threw their hands up and said, Nothing's going to happen. We can't do anything. But you and I sit here this morning, and we saw Jesus work in our lives. We saw him change our thinking. We saw him take us back from the brink. We saw him heal. We saw him... uh, Answer prayers. We, we saw him do, and we know he did. The, and we, all of us here, if I would say, raise your hands. All of us would raise our hands that we believe that there is a God. But next week, we can say, there is no hope. Our back's against the wall, and there is no hope. Like the children of Israel, we're so quick to forget what Christ can accomplish in our lives. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. In closing, if you want to have fruit, you need roots. You need to be rooted. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. It's Jesus Christ. And it's, it's no one else. And it's nothing else. We're going to all check out soon. And male or female doesn't matter. Greek or Jew doesn't matter. Rich or poor doesn't matter. We're going to go all the same way. It's, it's, it's going to be all like we're even. And the only thing that matters is what we did with Jesus Christ and his teaching. Second Chronicles as a way of encouraging us. For the eye of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole world to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart are perfect toward him. Today's in, in uh, Jeremiah there, he showed two trees. One that's a scrawny little scrub and barely alive. And one that had roots down and was green and was bearing fruit. And the storm came. And it still stood there, nice and green, and it didn't affect it. The summer heat comes, it doesn't affect it. It just stands there. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's kneel for prayer.